Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here. As always, you know how this works. Hit the subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, brand new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on everything uh, that your our favorite artists are up to. Uh, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you like to get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Merida. Today, my guest, AFI frontman Davey Havoc. We're going to be talking about the new AFI record, Bodies, and uh, we're going to get into uh, Davey's love of performing at a very young age, uh, the duality of his artistic nature, co-writing with Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. In fact, this I, I think he said this marks the very first time He's ever done co-writes on an AFI album, so that's really fun. Uh, and also his drive to write a song with the performance and audience always in mind. He'll tell you that that's how he creates a song right from the beginning, which is really, really interesting way to approach to approach music. We'll also geek out a little bit on classic MTV and the impact that the, the channel's videos had on his life, uh, as well as his love for Duran Duran, which he's been speaking about on his uh, satellite radio show quite a bit. And watching his fans create art based on AFI songs, a really great, amazing kind of a way to reflect what you put out into the world. So let's do this and discuss this record, Bodies. It's Kyle Meredith with AFI's Davey Havoc. Hi, Kyle. Look at your cool room! Thanks! You know, this is, uh, I would usually be doing this in an office, but of course... You know, everybody's at home and uh, and I had to dress up the walls. So I literally took the posters from my high school that I'd kept from my high school bedroom. And so my entire room is is basically the 90s, the whole room. I have a small tube of posters that I had on my wall in high school. Not many. And that made it to my the the clavit, as it was called. It was nicknamed because it's part cave, part closet that I lived in underneath the stairs in this kind of squat that we all lived in. Um, but I just discovered it the other day and I can't, I'm good at throwing stuff away, mm. but I can't part with this stuff. And, and I had an epiphany during my sleeplessness, which 
occurs frequently where I just have insomnia and thoughts and insects buzz. I had an epiphany of some poster that I'd forgotten that I had and I no longer do. I think it was maybe the let's go to bed poster. Did you ever have, do you know the let's go to bed poster? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know the poster. About? What's what's the, I know the let's go to bed, obviously. It's so. this, I think it's the same um, image as the single I would presume, but it's Robert. It's just Robert, but there's like a Venetian blind silhouette. It's very noir and shadowy. I know what and, you're talking but about. But it's uh, one, yeah. the majority of the poster is away. Yeah. I had that one. What do you got there? So I'm, I'm seeing Peter Gabriel, right? So, uh, so we got, uh, Bowie, uh, back here, two eighties. Yeah. Uh, it's from the, uh, the oh. latest box set. Uh, okay. let's see. There's a, I'm trying to do this, of course, backwards from the camera, uh, wax Fang, which is a, a band based here in Louisville where I'm from. Uh, okay. Let's see here. And Luna, I, there's a Luna poster. You can't really see it. And this Soft is camera. a Ziggy Stardust behind me. So there's actually three David Bowie. So it ends up being, you know, an unintentional shrine. They all ended up there, but yeah, there's REM and Radiohead and Dylan and Chris Cornell and Pearl Jam and everything else around here. That's so. fun. That is Peter Gabriel though, right? That I'm staring at well, this kind oh, of Oh no, the in. face right here. That's actually yeah. uh, Kerouac. Oh, who knew that Jack Kerouac looked like, oh, okay. Now there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that is clearly not Peter Gabriel. <laughs> listeners, the camera shifted, but I assure you listeners, if you cut Jack Kerouac off from below the eyes and just above the lower lip, you're going to think you're seeing the cover of Peter Gabriel's. So that's Peter. Um, it could be. Why not? Why not? <laughs> both, both are pretty damn good at what they do. No, it is. You know, that, that stuff, you, we, yeah, we wear it. We wear it. Like I've been listening to uh, some of the recent interviews that uh, you've been doing and, and actually following a little bit of your, your serious show too, because you've been talking about mm-hmm. Duran Duran and a you lot. Know, the influence of Duran Duran on you and the, right. the 40 years, right? The 40 year anniversary? Yes, 40 years of Duran Duran. So Sirius is celebrating 40 years of Duran Duran and thereby every other week on Volume West, which I co-host, we are given a Duran Duran song to talk about, which is a lot of fun. Last week we talked about, um, uh, uh, we're on Seven and the Ragged Tiger. So what's the uh, first single? Union of the Snake. We did Union of the Snake. I got to tell you, if you haven't checked out that video since, worth a worth a rewatch it's interesting i've been doing some mid-career looking at uh, duran duran like the pop trash era because it wasn't something i paid attention to when it was going on and sort of trying to figuring out what was happening in that stuff so it's interesting how just the timing of all of this how it synced up like okay i'm i'm there too just in a different timeline right now you know it will catch up to you i think we're catching up to you pretty quickly pop trash was fun yeah duran duran is such an i'm actually we're having a guest on the show who wrote a 33 and a half about Rio. So I last night I just binged. I'm reading about the creation of Rio. It's a lot of stuff I, I knew for uh, the most part already because I had read, I think, I don't know. I've just read about Duran Duran. <laughs> I've read John Taylor's book and I've, I've uh, read his, I don't know, articles about Duran Duran in their past. And they are really, they are a really cool band. They are certainly, we needn't go on and on about Duran Duran because I do so every week, but, um, <laughs> but they do, they do not get the artistic credit that they deserve, which is something that any journalist who writes it about them nowadays will point out that they are perceived as a boy pop band. And it's so much more than that. If you simply, if you just take Simon Bond's lyrics alone, you can just see that there's just, there's more to it than your average pop song and there's darkness to it. And there's poetry. There's a gorgeous, gorgeous poetry to it. He is a great writer and he doesn't get the credit for that. And then if you look at Nick Rhodes, um, Nick Rhodes is coming from, 
from Krautrock and Kraftwerk and Brian Eno and and how he creates and the noises he makes. I mean, it's it's, it's a Neubauten. A lot of what he he did when he was creating Rio was very industrial esque in that regard, using practical sounds and um, you know miking um, ice cubes cracking and throwing metal rods onto uh, you know the grand piano strings and for that's Duran Duran I'm not obviously I'm saying you know we're talking about something that at this point is de rigueur for a lot of artists and not revolutionary but that's we're talking about Duran Duran we're not talking about um you know fat gadget right but we can you want to talk about Frank Toby what I was going (laughs) to say is it's interesting the way you were explaining what Duran Duran actually is to me, you could have been explaining yourself. You could have been talking. Oh. I'm, I'm wrapping oh, this okay. around is what I'm doing right Woo! here. The answer is yes. But it's serious. You I know? do like diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> but the way you just said all that, like, that's how I would have just talked about you. Oh. you know, the darkness oh, and the on, poetry man. and, you know, it's pop, but it's not. And and let me let me say this quickly. You and, and the guys have produced an amazing new record called Bodies. And Thank you. It sounds like a new band. Man. You're, you're at it for 30 years now. This sounds like, you know, the fire of youth. We got our gang. We're going to do our first or second record. We're, on, we're firing on all cylinders. Wow. There's, I don't think you can answer this, but how? How are you able to do this at this point <laughs> in the game? Man, I got it. Okay, I don't. I, let me try to answer that. And I first, let me say thank you so much, because, of course, that compliment is the highest to say that a band that is 30 years old sounds fresh and youthful is, is very, very flattering and very fulfilling for me to hear because I feel that way. So maybe actually I wasn't trying to answer the question, but that might be part of it. I, you know, at least speaking for myself and what I do or don't contribute to, and we'll go beyond that in a moment, but especially during this time, the, existential review that has been happening uh, has been greater than normal. And so I'm becoming more and more acutely aware of my arrested state of development. But it's it's in two parts. Of course, the duality, and I sing about this incessantly, just exhaustively, it's got to be enervating. But the the duality of who I am and what I exude is very stark. And part of that duality is being an adult and being um, aware, more aware than of a lot of things than I was when I started AFI with Adam in 1991. There are a lot of differences, but at the same time, I feel so much like that kid in many, many ways. And, and I know I can speak for all of us that our passion for the music is the same as that we had when, when we were younger. Um, Jade Puget is a maestro. And when we begin and when he begins, we are all really trying to push ourselves all the time, not for the sake of anyone other than ourselves. Really, in the end, we just are trying to satisfy ourselves musically. And because we love music so much, we're constantly trying to create something that inspires us and makes us go, wow, that's fun. That that makes us feel something great and something new in the context of what we have created as AFI. And that's always our hope and our goal. We take a long time to write records and we write a lot of songs and 
there are different records that could be created out of our writing sessions. And in the end, it's a matter of choosing which of those bodies of works we feel want to represent us at the time and which inspire us most out of that group of songs that we've created. So I don't know if that answers the question. I really, really appreciate that that compliment, especially because bodies mean so much to me. To me, bodies is my favorite AFI record. It just is. Um, that that could change. It probably will change. I hope it changes. I hope we write another record that I like more than bodies. I really hope so. Um, but man, thank you. I, I, it's um, it, again, it means a lot for for me to hear you say that be, because I I love the record. So for, for even you know for anyone to react that way is is very um, is very great great. And a lot of artists will say that, you know, they'll say like, we're trying to keep ourselves happy. We're doing this for ourselves, mm. but it doesn't always work out in no. the best music. And, and I do hear that. Like, I hear you all still having fun. It doesn't sound forced. It doesn't sound like a chore. I'll bring up, um, let me see. Am I saying it right? Dulceria? Is it Dulceria? Dulceria. Dulceria. 50-50 shot. Dulce. And I went the wrong way. Casi, um, no, it's Casi. Dulceria. Dulceria. You just put the accent in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah right. But you know, dulceria, uh huh. Dulceria. Oh, it might be the same word in Italian. Actually, I don't think it is. So that's a Spanish word. Right, right. Well, I can hear you. Regardless, I can hear you all having fun on that song. Like it's such, it's playful. It's a little bit sexy. You know, it's it it kind of it's slinky. It kind of bounces around. To approach a song like that, how do you approach a song like that? Do you do you get into characters? Some artists like use characters to kind of do stuff like that. What's what's your approach on a track like that? Well, for me, that track that you picked out is very unique in that. Um, well, it's very unique in this regard that that track, its inception was Jade and Billy Corgan. So I sat with Jade and Billy as they were creating the music, and I watched Billy write those melodies. So in this in this instance of that song, and that's. Um, the first time that's the first instance of AFI collaborating with anyone outside of AFI. Wow. Um, I, I had the complete Billy Corgan melody after the construction of the song. And it was one of those situations where, and this is, this is not unique to that experience. This happens frequently where the melody tells the story and that melody can come from Billy Corgan, for instance, or it can come out of the ether, as many songwriters will say, tritely, but I must, when you're creating a melody right there, sometimes the melody will inform the lyric and, um, or otherwise it can come, you know, there's uh, on bodies. This is, this, this is the case for this song as well. Uh, Escape from Los Angeles, that melody, Jade wrote that top line. So with Escape from Los Angeles and Dulceria, those, my, participation in the creation of those tracks are exclusively the lyrics but both of those melodies immediately informed those tales being told by me about me as always on in those songs uh so to say i get in character wouldn't be accurate because within the context of afi or really within the context of anything well well, anything that I, anyone knows that I've created so far at this point, but um, <laughs> I'm not really getting in character. I'm just accessing facets of myself that I feel are appropriate to the tone of the of the work that we're creating. And um, oh man, I love that song. I love it so much. And I I really when it when the lyric 
found itself on that song, it really took it to a very special place for me. So much so that until I'm talking about it analytically and historically, I forget that I had nothing to do with that melody. <laughs> I wish I had. It is an amazing melody. But, um, you know, it, it also allowed for the first instance, instance of me singing in falsetto in the context of AFI, which is really fun for me, which I only played with before with Dream Car. I don't think I had done so on Black Audio. Not yet, although I did just work on a Black Audio song where my intention is to do a little bit of falsetto on it, but we shall see if anyone ever hears that. Oh. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's fun. And it, you do it well. Like, it sounds really good. And like, oh, thank you. How much do you think about then um, of the performance, the entertainer? How much do you think about that as you're writing a song? Because that feels like, it, I mean, a lot of your songs are theatrical in some way. Right. It's, well, I mean, they are very emotive and the the performance is something that I subconsciously hold with me, at least when I'm creating always, because from the beginning of AFI many, many years ago, when we were a punk band, when we were just playing hardcore punk until now, for me, the, okay. So I, I've been saying this a lot, so not entirely, but a huge portion of my impetus to create is that fulfillment of playing the song on stage. For me, the song is a cheat sheet for the audience to know what their roles are and our roles are when we get down to business, which is the live show, <laughs> when we actually are going to do it. It is, the, it, is, it is the notes, it is the playbook, it is the written speech, and then we go and we do it. And so whether it's conscious or not, I hold that with me when I am contributing to the creation of a song, and I'm pretty sure that I speak, at least in some regard, for the rest of the band as well, um, for most of the tracks. Now, a lot of the tracks, I know that Jade writes in a different way than with, with a different perspective in many ways, because he will, I, I think a lot of the times he will focus on the, just the song being, being, being the song and being the best song possible, no matter what in and of itself. And then later we figure out how to play it live, which I totally respect because, Hey, a great song is a great song. Sure. And, and so, um, <clears throat> and I think that perspective has harkens back to what we were talking about earlier is the collaboration of, of, of those mindsets, whether they be expressed or just, you know, inherent, results in a you know a hybrid energy that's that's happening um in the creation of 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 what is what is afi but you know I, it makes me think of I, jade jade wrote this glorious song called that um that is called 1948 uh that 
again, all I worked on was the lyrics and the, the title that connects to it, but um, it is a black audio song. But when I'm thinking about this beautiful work of art that he created with this top line that I never, ever would have thought of, um, you know, he was coming, he certainly wasn't coming from picturing it live. He was coming from let's write a banger. And he did. So, um, you know, it's hard to speak for anyone but myself. So forgive me, Jade, if I misspoke for you. I, I love how you put that though, about the, um, <laughs> the album being a cheat sheet for the audience, because to, it, to some degree, then you're writing the song almost always as a duet, you know, it like purposefully as a duet between you and the crowd. That's a great way of putting it as, as far as I'm concerned. Being that 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 moment, those those moments of the connection with the crowd, where everyone's singing, and everyone has this—it sounds so trite—but of that unity and that you know that that sanctuary and the the choral element of that gospel moments mm. and those moments where we're all—it's oh, like it sounds so trite—but that one voice, that singular voice that comes together as one, it's a bit—it's a moving thing. It's very, very moving, and it's very powerful, and it's very transcendent, and it's very cathartic. And and to me, that's what it's—that's what it's all about. Yeah, we we talk about musical influences a lot, you know, in in, in these conversations a lot. But but I brought up entertainer. Do you find like where does that bone come? Where does that muscle come from you? Because it's one thing to write music, but to do what you do is exceptional. Can you attribute that to anything? A desperate need for attention, I imagine. Like, I think that starts just, with all please, of us, right there. Entertainment. Please like me. Please <laughs> like me. Please, but also also don't talk to me. Right. Sure. Right. I understand. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> don't like me too much. I want to be invited to the party. I just don't want to come. But I'm not going. <laughs> Right. I honestly, I, I, it must come down to that. I don't feel I had a lack of attention as a child. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, but as far as the, as far as the desire, I, I, I kid, I don't kid, but I kid. Um, as far as the desire to perform, I have been inclined to perform since I was very, very young, very young. Um, my grandfather sang to me when I was a baby boy and I, would learn the songs that he sang to me. And at family reunions, I would be given a wooden spoon. I would be asked to sing for a quarter, beginning my professional career as a professional singer. Um, my mother had me audition for a musical when I was 10, 10 or 11, maybe Oliver Twist. I was not Oliver. Obviously I should have been, but I was one of Fagan's boys. <laughs> and that got me involved in theater. Um, so the, those things led me down the path of a performer, but also as long as I can remember, I was enamored with music and performers and pop culture and video. MTV had such an impact on my life and on my youth and my perspective of, um, of music. And those, by the time MTV I didn't even have MTV. I would have to go to my friend's house to watch it for most of my life. It wasn't until the 90s, I think, that we lived somewhere where MTV was available. But um, the larger-than-life performances that you saw on MTV and the the you know fictitious stories that were created in those narratives uh, in that burgeoning format of of expression and you know adding layers to the music. I didn't have any sort of analytical understanding of it. It was just presented to me as this is, mm -hmm. this is happening. This is a world. These are, these are people who are more than, more than people or they're other than people, I should say. 
you know, not necessarily superhuman, but they're other and they are fantastic. They're fabulous. They're amazing. And um, I, I wanted to do that and I wanted to do it uh, in, in various forums. And really when it came down, I, I wanted to perform and I, and I wanted to play. And uh, I think if people used to ask me, what would you be doing? Like in fanzines, what would you be doing if you weren't doing music? And I would always say, I'd like to think I'd be acting because that's something that I'd always wanted to do. But I, the caveat would be, and still is, I don't know if I would have had the bravery to pursue that on my own. Because the thing about giving up everything for a uh, foolish hope of being able to perform music for your entire life and and not starve or go completely mad when you're four people agreeing to do it at the same time, it's easier than one person going off on your own, which is that which is the acting pursuit if you don't have you know a means into that world in the first place. Um, I don't know. I'm show people. I guess that's the answer. That's it's the in my answer. blood. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing I never thought I would miss about MTV, um, and I can romanticize pretty hardcore about them too, is the monoculture. You know, I didn't think the monoculture the, was as important as it was, but now when I look back on it, you know, even as we were all splintered off in yeah. the various day parts of the channel, we were all still brought together in some place of a common language yes. that doesn't exist. Uh, you know, it's, yes, it's 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 tough because it disintegrates. And this is where we, where we sound like the old people, I suppose, which is very confronting for me and harrowing for me to have be on the other side of this cultural gap. But it, well, it's interesting because to me, it, a monoculture, it was just, in a way, it was just a culture that doesn't exist. You know, we've lost a culture. We've lost, um, we, we've lost a common point you know, or at least the option for it, right. whether or not we participated in it, in, in it or not, you know, when speaking of the monoculture, you're generally speaking of the pop culture and the main mainstream and, and the LCD. And, um, you know, generally from what I've understood of it and what I've consumed of it on any sort of level, I find to generally be, you know, vacuous, you know, meretricious at best. <laughs> um, but there are some elements that are positive, or even if, even if it is meretricious, you have the option to get involved. <laughs> you have the option to relate to that and enjoy it momentarily. And um, everything is, has, has dispersed. There is no, I do miss the, of course we miss the MTV for as bad as we thought it was every, the only, I think the only time I didn't think MTV was bad when I was uh, too young to know better. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, it was it was what you didn't like on TRL that made you appreciate what was on 120 minutes. It made it important, you know, 120 Now, did minutes. those, let me ask you, did, were those so, in my memory, say, I never watched, uh, TRL was not a part of my life. Um, Came later on, right? I, and I was just trying to like, think of- what, did, did the, were they concurrent? Was one they were? So I'm. Did they coexist? I'm. I, I think I'm five years younger than you. Just five years younger. So okay. by the time I was coming up, you know, my 120 minutes is more Matt Pinfield, and so at that okay. point, yeah, you know, it was it was Carson taking over TRL, which had came from a nighttime slot to begin with. It was an all request thing at night, and the ten spot. It's the history of MTV. Oh. It, so yeah, those two, those two, there were things and, you know, and they were the night and day. And it's not that I didn't see TRL, you know, but it's that it mm -hmm. gave me a flag to wave 
right for what right. was happening at nighttime. And I think right. that's, you know, that's our identity in music. I mean, it goes way beyond MTV and the conversations we're having here. It's just, you know, how we identify ourselves through the artists that we appreciate, you know? It's, yes. Yes, we did. They, they, they gave us, they gave us hope. They gave us place. They gave us voice. <laughs> I, um, I know I'm running on the time thing here. I kind of want to wrap up with, um, I mentioned the duets earlier. You mentioned the, really the duets that you have with your audience here. And you've been doing something interesting uh, with the art gallery and allowing your fans or allowing your fans, they can do it anyway, I suppose. But your fans have been making artwork for this new record. And it must be such an interesting thing to create this, to birth this piece of art, this music and put it out there and then to receive it back through someone else's eyes. It, like, it, what has it, that been it, like? It's so fulfilling to to create anything that inspires anyone else to create is very surreal to me um, I, because it's just so natural for us. It's just something that whether anyone was listening or not, it's something that I would be compelled to do and that I would you know, be unable to not do. So I'm so grateful that anyone listens. And then furthermore, to have that creation inspire creation of any sort is surreal and fulfilling and touching. And um, we created that forum, that online forum, that little virtual world to showcase some of this art. And it's wonderful. It's just wonderful to see that, you know, people will take pieces of our work and make greater works from it. And if that can continue on and on, that would be true. I try not to use this word, but it would be amazing to me. The evolution of a song. It goes in so many yeah. different ways than what we would intend. It's really interesting. Yes. Yes. The metamorphosis of a song. <laughs> Davey, I love what you do in Bodies. It's Man. so good. It's so good. Congratulations Kyle, on this. Thank you so much. It has been a joy to talk to you. I really appreciate you having me. My thanks to Davey AFI. The brand new record is called Bodies. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Don't forget before you leave to hit the subscribe button at uh, any of your favorite podcast places to get three brand new interviews every single week, new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. After you subscribe to Kyle Meredith with, head over to WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Uh, please like, follow along, say hi when you do, because that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.